Welcome to Behind the Case, an ACG Case Records Journal podcast, brought to you by the American College of Gastroenterology. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Roberto Simons Linares, Editor-in-Chief for the ACG Case Report Journal and a GI Fellow at the Cleveland Clinic. I would like to welcome our guest today, Dr. Kelly Hathorne, who is the author of a noteworthy case report published in May of this year in our journal. She is currently a GI Fellow at the Brigham's and Women's Hospital in Boston. Kelly, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Kelly's article is entitled Cryptogenic Multifocal Ulcerative Esclerosing Enteritis, a curious case of intestinal obstruction in the settings of human immunodeficiency virus. Uh, now, Kelly, could you please briefly summarize the case for our audience? Absolutely. So our case highlights the presentation of a 50-year-old gentleman with a history of HIV and CMV esophagitis, ileitis, and colitis who presented with recurrent episodes of generalized abdominal pain. Despite an extensive infectious and endoscopic evaluation, he really remained without a formal diagnosis. His symptoms initially responded to corticosteroids, which raised the possibility of an inflammatory condition. However, ultimately, he was felt to have symptoms consistent with intermittent small bowel obstruction and was later found to have ileitis and patchy small bowel strictures on cross-sectional imaging, as well as colitis on histology, which were not consistent with Crohn's disease, for which he ultimately underwent surgical resection of a section of his small bowel. The pathology in this case gave us the final diagnosis, which was cryptogenic multifocal ulcerative sclerosing enteritis, or CMUs for short. Great. Thanks for that summary. And as, as I always encourage our audience to read the full article in our journal's website where you can find details of the case, but also you can look at the images CAT scans, endoscopy, and pathology slides, which are all great sources of learning. Now, Kelly, let's talk about CMUs. So what is CMUs? What is, what is this disease? CMUs was originally described in 1964 when the authors originally characterized this relapsing remitting condition with episodic obstructions relating to ulcerative stenosis of the small intestine with characteristic improvement following corticosteroids. The etiology for this extremely rare condition continues to be unknown. Implicated processes include a potential vasculitis, which was previously referenced in a prior case series demonstrating abnormal angiography and vascular pathology in the majority of reported subjects, as well as augmented fibroblast proliferation related to an imbalance of cytokines and low growth factors, which also was referenced in additional studies suggesting an absence of a significant vasculopathy or inflammatory burden in patients with the disease. Great. Very interesting. So now, what is the typical presentation of this disease, and was this different in your case report? So patients do typically present in a relapsing and remitting course. Patients may present with fatigue or iron deficiency anemia due to occult blood loss and often with recurrent symptomatic small intestinal strictures. These patients rarely present with diarrhea, malabsorption, hematochesia, or fevers. In our case report, the patient did present with a relapsing history of recurrent symptoms and imaging findings concerning in retrospect for small bowel stricture but no prior cases had been identified in a patient with HIV. In our patient, we think 
that a pattern of chronic dysregulated immune activation in the context of not only his HIV, but also prior CMV infections may have provided the impetus for the development of CMUs. Very nice. Yeah, that was a great explanation. Now, how how is it usually diagnosed and, and what's the usual management for this disease? So typically, CMUs is diagnosed pathologically on surgical resection. The two only real, quote-unquote, accepted treatments for CMUs at this time are systemic glutocorticoids and surgical resection. One group back in 2013 had reported that they had induced remission with infliximab, but data is unfortunately really lacking on this topic. And unfortunately, patients with CMUs can really have a chronic or relapsing course, sometimes even after surgery. Fortunately, though, in our case, our patient really has done quite well following surgery without any recurrence of symptoms. That's great to hear that the patient uh, is doing well. Well, as the audience may know already, this case resembles a lot with inflammatory bowel disease and more specifically with Crohn's disease with the small bowel obstruction presentation, the multiple strictures. So, Kelly, how is this different from inflammatory bowel disease or how do you rule it out? So given the imaging findings with discontinuous small bowel involvement, one of the leading things in our differential diagnosis was whether this could be consistent with stricturing Crohn's disease. However, some prior authors have highlighted really the key differences between the two that hint that the diagnosis may not be consistent with Crohn's disease. In CMUs, for example, in comparison to Crohn's disease, there's typically no clinical or laboratory features of an inflammatory syndrome. There's no transmural inflammatory process or ulceration, no giant cell granulomatous inflammatory process, and really no fistula formation despite recurrent chronic disease, as well as no extra intestinal features that would be characteristic of Crohn's disease. Great. Thanks for clarifying those differences. Now, besides that, the patient had a history of cytomegalovirus infection where he had esophagitis, ileitis, colitis in the past. So ruling out CMV infection was important like you did. What other infectious possibilities should be considered or ruled out in these type of cases? Given his history of HIV, as well as his documented CMV enteritis, CMV viremia, as well as candidal esophagitis, we, of course, had infectious etiologies extremely high on our differential diagnosis throughout his early course, and our infectious disease team was involved. The infectious evaluation, which was sent and all returned negative in this case, in particular with Salmonella, Shigella, Isospora, Giardia, Cryptosporidium, and Microsporidium, as well as Yersinia, Aram Plesomonas, Cyclospora, Campylobacter, C. diff, and acid fast bacteria as well. All right, very good. Something interesting also I found in Figure Four, where you know it's a CAT scan image. You you use an interesting term, fecalization. Could you please explain that term to our audience, please? Absolutely, and fecalization is actually a term that I learned from this case as well, Uh, and it's defined by the presence of feculent material with gas bubbles in the lumen of the small intestine, which can resemble colonic content on a CT scan, and it's believed to be the result of delayed intestinal transit caused by incompletely digested food, bacterial overgrowth, or increased water absorption of the distal small bowel contents due to an obstruction. So it has shown a high specificity for sub acute or low-grade small bowel obstruction because in the setting of slow transit due to the worsening obstruction, there's enough time for increased water absorption to form the feces-like intestinal content, and it's typically seen immediately proximal to the level of the obstruction. Excellent. 
Now, moving into pathology, histology. So what are the histologic features that led you and the pathologist to, to the diagnosis of CMUS? So his final pathology showed severe chronic active enteritis and multifocal ulceration, neural hyperplasia, myointimal hyperplasia, and phlebitis of the small to medium-sized blood vessels and serositis with a negative AFB and HHV8, all of which ultimately revealed the final diagnosis in this case of CMUS. Great. Thank you for that thorough description. Now, in summary, what would you say was the challenging part of this case for you and your team? I think the most challenging aspect of this case really was the fact that our patient was immunocompromised and was unfortunately infected at various time points with CMV and or candidal infections, leading us to always need to have a high suspicion for a recurrent infectious etiology of his symptoms. And then additionally, given the discontinuous small bowel involvement, the diagnosis of Crohn's disease always remained quite high on our differential diagnosis. Among other reasons, his colonoscopy biopsies of both the terminal ileum and the colon only revealed active colitis without any features of chronicity, which might have suggested Crohn's disease. But nonetheless, it was not until discussion at our joint GI and surgery IBD conference that the decision was made to pursue surgical resection, given his relapsing and remitting course, and ultimately that is how we reached our diagnosis. Great. What would you like the audience, you know, especially fellows, residents, trainees, to remember about your case or, you know, for the time when, when they encounter a similar case, what would you like them to remember? We considered many other causes of this patient's presentation, and it's always incredibly important, especially in an immunocompromised population, to have a really broad differential diagnosis. While CMUS is an incredibly rare disease, it is one that's important to keep in mind with a patient presenting with a relapsing and remitting course that does not quite fit perfectly into the bucket of an alternative diagnosis. Excellent. Now, going to summarize the take-home points, what do you think are the take-home points to learn from the case report? I think the take-home points from this case are that, again, CMUS is a rare diagnosis, but that it often presents with a chronic relapsing course with unexplained small intestinal strictures with superficial ulceration of the mucosa and the submucosa. The etiology of the disease is really not well understood, but it's potentially an immune-mediated process, and thus treatment consists of glucocorticoids or surgical resection. Additionally, this case can serve as an important reminder that when you're in doubt, cut it out because while surgical resection is not always the most appropriate option, involving our surgical colleagues in multidisciplinary discussions in difficult cases can often be incredibly helpful. And in this case, surgical resection ended up leading us to our final diagnosis. And clinically, the patient has had significant improvement since that time. Excellent. No, I agree. Absolutely. Multidisciplinary discussions are absolutely needed in this challenging cases. And yeah, when patients have symptomatic patchy small bowel strictures that are not amenable for perhaps endoscopic dilation intervention, yeah, most likely they need surgical resection at that point. So I agree. Well, finally, Kelly, I always like to ask a non-medical question to get to know our guests a little better. Could you please tell us something about you that most people don't know? Absolutely. So 
Many people know about my prior soccer playing days, but very few people know that I also was a Little League baseball player. So I was always the only girl on the team, and I was even a unanimous selection for the All-Star team. But although I considered myself, at least, to be a pretty good player, I was so competitive that any time I struck out, I would cry the entire way back to the dugout. (laughs) And all of my friends from home still make fun of me for that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. Well, thank you again, Kelly, for joining us today. And of course, thank you to our audience for listening. Stay tuned until our next episode.